Is there a potential quarterback controversy in the NFC East? Which NFC North tight end is going too low in dynasty drafts? And who is the correct Niner rusher to invest in for 2021? Plus, 2020 two-time FFPC high-stakes dynasty winner Bob Reifenberg makes our show a winner tonight as well. We are going to discuss with him the rookie running backs, the depth of this year's rookie class, and much more, I promise you. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. And Pirelliacs listening around the world. Uh, thank you to the Quiet Hollers for our intro music. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. As always, I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, I don't know if this is torture or if this is anticipation, but I feel like we have opened this show um, the last, I don't know, four episodes, counting down the days until the NFL draft. Because I know you, we're both chomping at the bit. We can't, see, can't wait to see where these rookies are going to end up. And now we're less than a week away, man. It's, this is great stuff. It really is, Balky. We're certainly not the only ones. You can get sort of get the temperament of uh... – Anyone who's in the media business right now, and they're looking for things to do on Good Morning Football today, um, uh, Kyle Brandt and uh, Nate Burleson were doing combine testing themselves. By the way, Brandt hit 16 on the 225. You, you and I nice. do something like that next year, Buck. Yeah, you know, he was running <laughs> back at Princeton and had some days of glory, but I, I'm thinking that we should get in shape for the, uh, for the 2022 draft and uh, challenge some of our uh, great FFPC players to join us. Uh, you know, the KFFSC guys, I mean, you know, most of our guys can do 15 with one hand. But, uh, you know, never, never mind. The, uh, well, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's time. We need it, Balky. We need this draft. We really Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, and, and we can't wait for it. It's, it's going to be a special one. Uh, we could see quarterbacks go with the first four picks. If we don't, mm-hmm. we might see a blockbuster trade at four. We've already seen a blockbuster trade for three. And obviously, uh, FFPC and KFFSC dynasty owners hanging by a thread to see where all these players are going to go. 
trying to figure out what to do with their rookie draft picks coming up in a few weeks here. Uh, no question. All right. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, uh, before, uh, before we get into it here, I will let you know that we're going to discuss who we think the Niners will indeed go with, with that number three overall pick, as well as uh, a discussion on a pair of underanalyzed rookie receivers in this year's draft, plus a champion of two 2020 FFPC high-stakes dynasty leagues, Bob Reifenberg uh, is going to be coming up on uh, about 11 minutes here, and he's going to talk about Elijah Moore. He's going to talk about a Devontae Smith's weight or lack thereof and much more mm-hmm. dynasty rookie talk as, uh, as well. we got a full, uh, full boat here in the chat room tonight. We have the Dizzle, Aunt Jemima is in there, Hudson Kern Reeve is hopping aboard. Um, if you guys have any questions, you can post your questions in there right now. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. And, of course, you can always check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. And if you want to talk with us, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for us or for Bob, now is the time to get those sent in. We'll do our best to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all our emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer. I beg your pardon. Audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, he's in Florida right now, so he's not helping us out tonight. So our mutual friend Rob is doing all the heavy lifting. Yes, Rob is not, uh, is doing everything, which uh, we, we couldn't ask any more of him. Uh, reminder that um, the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship early bird is open. Those drafts are, are going to be starting uh, fairly cer- uh, fairly soon here. About We're about eight days away from that. Uh, the early bird is live. If you want a free $35 team discount, make sure you're stepping up to the plate and getting your teams there. 2021 best ball drafts. We have live drafts, slow drafts filling, including the $5 Cinco Day best ball options at myffpc.com. If you want to get in on the big dog, the main event early bird is indeed live. You can save $100 on your first team before May 31st, $400 off each additional team. And don't uh, forget, the Run to Daylight Championship for the KFFSC is live right now. Drafts are already underway. We are down to three teams, I believe, in the Saturday night draft coming up at 9 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. You can draft against me. I will be in that draft tomorrow night. Along, I believe Kern is, all, is also in that, too. So it's a star-studded event. Can't wait to uh, draft against you listeners there tomorrow. And, of course, don't forget about the Draft the Masters available at KFFSC.com. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports, Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's kick things off with a little NFL draft talk, Farrell. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network said that there are some medical issues that popped up for LSU wide receiver Terrace Marshall. Now, there is a combine in Indianapolis this year, but as you know, there's no skills or athletic testing. It is simply a medical combine. Terrace Marshall in high school had foot injuries, he had leg injuries, and that he did indeed uh, need surgery because uh, or for those injuries. He also missed some time when he was with the Bayou Bengals because of a foot injury as well. So you, you got to believe that teams knowing that Terrace Marshall could be a first round pick. They want to make sure that he is checking all the medical boxes right now. 6'3", 205 pounds running a sub four, four forty. You got to believe that um, he is a back end of the first round start of the early second round pick. Farrell, if, if you are a dynasty owner, are, are these medicals concerning you at all if you're thinking about drafting Terrace Marshall at the back end of the first round of your dynasty rookie draft? 
I have realized a lifelong ambition to be a dynasty owner. I, I, it's coming up May 2nd, my draft. I will never uh, realize uh, a lifelong uh, occasional ambition to be a general manager in the NFL. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> in either position, I'm not getting anywhere near Terrence Marshall. No, I Ooh. think Terrence Marshall, fantastic player, tremendous catch radius. Uh, there are many things to like about him. And this 4-3-8 might be part of it. Although I looked skeptical at all 40 times this year because they're all coming in too low and they're all done on the campuses. What I don't like about this player, yes, he has some injury history. Yes, he takes some plays off. He doesn't fully execute to his time speed. He doesn't look – I went and looked at some film today. The guy doesn't look like a sub-4-3 guy. He looks like a guy that runs in his 4-5s. Um, and, and, you know, he does not catch the easy pass, but he can really make some – some wonderful catches for someone who does not, you know, he, he's a highlight type player. If you want to look at your, your highlight tape, he's going to be very, very impressive to you. And you're going to want to uh, run out and draft him. This looks like a young Nelson Aguilar to me. I'm going to tell dynasty players uh, a cheaper option with a similar player who does a time as well, but plays football with the same level of speed would be the uh, Josh Palmer kid. Uh, over at Tennessee Volunteers. So I'm taking a, a very hard pass on Terrence Marshall. And this is interesting. Okay, so uh, and and Terrence Marshall, too, remember, obviously was overshadowed by Jamar Chase, who um, mm-hmm. the majority of his LSU career um, and, until Chase opted out. But, but Marshall is a guy, too, that I think a lot of people are going to be faced with if he does indeed go at the end of the first round. Well, we all know my Green Bay Packers won't be taking him because – they would sooner stab knitting needles in their eyes than draft a receiver in the first round or at all. Um, so we know the, that Marshall won't be going to the Packers, but he could be going to somebody at the back end of the first round. We know the Ravens just made the big trade with the Kansas City Chiefs today. They need receiver help. Um, I guess their GM doesn't necessarily think they need receiver help, but anybody on the outside mm-hmm. looking in thinks that Terrace Marshall could be a, a play for Baltimore there. So that will be a decision that dynasty owners will have to make. We'll have much more on that, especially after Marshall gets selected in the NFL draft as well. Moving over to Philadelphia, the brand new head coach of the Eagles, Nick Sirianni did not name Jalen Hurts as the team's starting quarterback and said there would be a competition there this summer. If Adam Schefter's Twitter feed is to be believed, um, <coughs> excuse me. Jeffrey Lurie, who is the owner, said um, that uh, reportedly he wants Hurts to be the guy starting week one. Eagles general manager Howie Roseman has denied that the owner has said that. Hurts, you would like to think, is, I mean, how is he going to lose the job to Joe Flacco unless they're going to be drafting somebody high, uh, which, yes, anything's possible with, with Philadelphia right now. Nick Sirianni says they've only been working with these guys for two days. Jalen Hurts was awesome after he took over from a fantasy standpoint, at least he was awesome. Um, when he took over last year for Carson Wentz, Farrell, I mean, he's going to be the starter, right? I, I mean, do we need to look any deeper here? Because if you're drafting in a best ball or in a dynasty startup right now, you got to be drafting Hertz as the starting quarterback and, and feeling pretty good about it in Philadelphia. The coach does not need to go on television in Philadelphia. This is a big problem already. He took this job on January 24th. 
and and came out reading from note cards and looked like you know he looked like a sixth grader giving a book report is what one of the analysts <laughs> said about it and I had to agree and now he comes out in another pre-draft press conference and makes that statement in front of the general manager in front of all the media Philadelphia media at this it never has been and definitely should not be now a place where you're going to be undecided about your quarterback when anybody can look at it and say, well, yeah, you're going to start Hurts. Um, We could go on and on about this guy. You know, I I would just say of all these coaches, of all these young coaches, you know, and general managers that are coming in the league, take a book, uh, take a page out of the Bruce Arians book or look up John Madden. If you can't be there at Gregarious, maybe you want to be Mark Levy. If you don't want to talk at all, just be a silent Tom Landry. But don't be this evasive, nonsensical individual, because that makes everybody in the locker room begin to give the coach the side eye. And how that affects Jalen Hurts um, is is yet to be determined. Now, Balky, do you have the Mojo's uh, numbers on Jalen Hurts? Most definitely I do. I can tell you right now, as far as his, his uh, dynasty start, and by the way, thanks to Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com who supplies this ADP data to us. But I can tell you right now, as far as dynasty startups go, Jalen Hurts is being drafted as the quarterback 12 at the 10-01. As far as best ball drafts over the last five days, Jalen Hurts is being drafted as the quarterback 9 at the 6-11. That is right after Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. It is right before Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. I'm in an FFPC slow uh, draft classic, and he went at the 7-7, and it's consistently in front of those quarterbacks, including Tom Brady. And I I would say, you know, Tom Brady had a pretty good close to the year, uh, if anyone has forgotten. This player has started four games. Uh, He was delightful in Philadelphia's defeat of New Orleans, where he ran for a yeah, he was pushing up close to 200 yards, he, and he threw for three touchdowns in one half against Dallas, I believe it was, or maybe Arizona. It doesn't really matter. We've got a very, very small sample size. Now we've got a coach saying he doesn't know if he's my quarterback. We're going to have competition. That coach has been there for 90 days, and he's going to spend the next 90 days on Zoom getting to know this quarterback. He could have already done that. I see very confused situations of Philadelphia, which makes me think that Jalen Hurts is being drafted too high for me. In the dynasty format, perhaps he gets there. Will he ever rush for 1,000 yards like Lamar Jackson did last year? He's got the skill set to do it, but most of the time he did it because he was running away to try to keep from getting killed. And his most recent game against the Washington club was a disaster. I don't know if I'm drafting Jalen Hurts um, in in front of – some of these quarterbacks, and I think the tenth draft, tenth uh, round draft spot is is a good place for him. But I see him going much higher lately. Yeah, I mean it's for best ball too. I mean, like you know me, I'm not going to draft the quarterback early, but I'd much rather have Stafford, no. Burrow, Brady. I mean, I'd much rather have these guys are around later for sure uh, with Jalen Hurts. Farrell, before I forget, I just emailed you an article by Ryan Hawkinsmith on ESPN.com. John Madden recently turned 85 years old, and he compiled, Hawkinsmith did, um, a, a 
probably about 20 to 25 different anecdotes, different stories about John Madden as yep. he was, you know, from his coaching to his broadcasting. You may have already seen it. You may already know uh, some of these stories. I must have laughed out loud five or six times reading this article. It was great stuff. I encourage everybody to check it out on ESPN.com. We have Bob Reifenberg coming up here, ladies and gentlemen, in just a minute or two. He is waiting right now. Before we get to Bob, I do want to touch on at least one more thing here, specifically the Seahawks ground game. Seahawkswire.com published a story this year, or this year, this week, um, with some interesting quotes from Chris Carson. Um, Carson said that he and Rashad Penny, the former number one pick out of San Diego State, quote, can be one of the top rushing duos in the league. Carson said that they both have to stay healthy, though. He says they bring different mm. things to the game, and, uh, but that they complement each other uh, really well. Um, it was actually Rashad Penny, um, among many other Seahawks, that tried to get Chris Carson to stay in Seattle after he was talking about potentially signing elsewhere during free agency. Carson did sign the two-year deal with the Seahawks. He should be the starter this year as well. Rashad Penny is now 25 years old. Uh, he, was, he is now a first-round pick, three years removed. Ben, you know, he had the awful knee injury in 2019, and that's not been the only injury. He's had a, a bunch of other injuries as well. Um, Penny, you would like to think, would probably be the third down back. I don't know if it's an even split between Penny and Carson right now. Uh, Chris Carson himself has uh, been no stranger to the trainer's table. Over his last four years, well, his only four years in the NFL, he has missed 24 games. If we look at Fantasy Mojo as far as where these guys are being picked in best ball leagues right now, Farrell, Carson is the running back 23 at the 407. Penny, on the other hand, is running back 53 at the 1502. Do you think Penny represents the better value between Carson uh, and him right now? Or is, is Carson still your guy if you're looking for, uh, for the, um, the best um, fantasy value as far as running backs go in best ball drafts? Mm, Carson is a frustrating feast or famine type running back, which makes it plausible that he would go uh, in the first two dozen backs, uh, you know, somewhere around the 20s in a best ball format, um, in a redraft format, and even in a best ball format, you're going to uh, to be more frustrated than you are rewarded. Uh, if you look at his season last year, how many times did he rush for 100 yards? Zero. How many times did he carry the ball? 20 times. Uh, zero. Uh, he, he checked out of four games, week eight through 11, when you really need a very good ball player on your fantasy team. Uh, he caught three TD passes in the first two weeks of the season, which gave you some reason to hope. And then he did very little in the receiving game the rest of the way, uh, which added to the mountain of sadness of uh, the 2020 year from Chris Carson. And if, if you go back there, you're, you're going to get more of the same. So a flyer on Penny, perhaps, but uh, – I think the memo's out and being well-circulated, almost as good as that Madden article that you've got, Balky. Um, Seattle backfield, avoid it at all costs. Um, I, 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 and I, I apologize to Bob Reifenberg, who I, is waiting. But I, I do want to get your thoughts on this, Farrell, as, as you have insight into the NFL as a player agent then, that you know most people do not have. Dan Graziano, who is an ESPN NFL reporter, says that the Niners are, quote, extremely involved in Trey Lance's second pro day workout. Um, he's actually working with uh, 49ers coach John Beck, who played under Kyle Shanahan when uh, Shanahan was the OC in Washington. And the 49ers actually gave John Beck a list of drills 
that they wanted done for Trey Lance's second pro day. So certainly seems to me that this is the heaviest of heavy smoke screens uh, if the Niners truly are not interested in Trey Lance. Um, but maybe they are still thinking about him right now as well. Where do you fall in on the Niners' uh, number three overall pick? I mean, to me it suggests that it's going to be Lance, Joe, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields. Who do you think right now the Niners end up taking there? I'm holding on Mac Jones, and I'm staying there. I think he's the player that best suits what Shanahan wants to do in the running game as well as the passing game. Now, um, scouting staffs have been on a significant lockdown, and this is a great opportunity to get these guys out and work and to learn about these players. Used to be, if you weren't going to draft a quarterback in the NFL in in the first round, you would never see him again. But look at what's happening now with Sam Darnold and other quarterbacks. The first-round guys can be in and out within two or three years. Uh, You've got to use these opportunities to get to know the players in the best way that you can. And uh, when you picture Mac Jones or any of these other young guys going to uh, the 49ers, you're realizing that any of them that they pick, they're still going to have the most challenged quarterback in that division. But the team is very, very good. So you need a player not to make mistakes. You need a player that can go through the trans. Uh, 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 the uh, I've been watching some baseball here, Balky. It has stole my uh, attention span there. The, the route <laughs> Which one are you watching? Get, following a I'm field. watching the Cardinals and the Reds. And the guys okay, I got it. Right on. The, uh, but it's a situation where um, this player is probably the most likely to succeed in the in the 49ers system the quickly and, and uh, the quickest. And about Beck, you know, the NFL is is uh, two to maybe three degrees of separation. Everybody knows everybody, so you shouldn't really. Uh, look a lot into that situation and, and take much from that. I think it's Mac Jones. It could be another quarterback, whichever one it is. Um, he's going to go forward with a, with a tight leash uh, uh, in that offense in San Francisco. We want to uh, not disappoint the Dizzle any longer. We are bringing on our guest right now, ladies and gentlemen. Want to welcome him onto these airways. A little bit late, my apologies to him. Uh, He's been playing fantasy football for nearly three decades after having some success in those local leagues he participated in. Matt Forte and Roddy White led him to the league championship in his first ever FFPC main event back in 2008. There's a blast from the past, Forte and Roddy White. Since then, he's won seven FFPC and Football Guys championships, including both of his FFPC dynasty leagues last season. Please welcome on to the HSFF Hour, Mr. Bob Reifenberg. Bob, thank you so much for hopping aboard with us tonight, man. Well, it's my pleasure. This should be a lot of fun. My first podcast ever. Oh, wow. my goodness. You can't, you can't do it any better than talking to Farrell Elliott. I'm just going to hop around <laughs> and keep the, keep the ship going on the, uh, on the, uh, on the ocean here. Um, before we get, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your recent retirement. And before we talk about fantasy football, can you tell us what you did for a living before you retired and, and moved to Lake Tahoe? Uh, yes, I was a, a manufacturing engineer. Um, for about 30-plus years, mostly working for the Air Force as a civil servant, and um, ended up 
getting into engineering management and quality director of the F-35 program in my last position in Washington, D.C., and, uh, but always loved the Tahoe area and uh, thought I just want to live there someday, so I decided just to make it happen. Although my timing could have been better, I'd retire right before COVID, of course, so it's been pretty crazy, but uh, hopefully getting things back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. No question. You want to get back to normal. And, and I think that, you know, winning those two $500 uh, dynasty leagues with the FFPC certainly uh, certainly helps out a little bit with that. What time, just curiously, um, Bob, when do you sort of normally, you know, get dialed in on the rookies uh, for the upcoming season in dynasty leagues? Is, is it like a week or two before the draft? Are you already scouting during the, the previous college football season? How do you normally handle that when, when you're trying to get ready to, to draft these guys for their entire careers? Well, normally I just do it when I'm going to be on a podcast. So I've uh, furiously, been furiously studying all day. No, I do kind of pay attention, pay attention uh, throughout the uh, – well, as soon as the uh, college playoffs are over, then I'll start digging into who's who a little bit. And, uh, but I get more in earnest as soon as the NFL draft actually happens because – as you all know, the landing spot really determines a lot of um, what we're doing. So, um, but I, I have done a little bit of homework, but I'm not quite the expert uh, that you had on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Joe Van Gogh, my gosh, that guy is a genius. Oh, Joe. Joe was logged <laughs> in. Joe was lo- lo- logged in. But everybody's got their different style, Bob, and I, I think you're going to uh, to do uh, continue your success. And your success goes back a long time. Before my first question, I want to uh, – uh, deliver a hello from uh, your good friend and erstwhile playing partner, John Anderson. Uh, oh, my John gosh. Is a, John is a, a wonderful uh, uh, contributor to fantasy football, and and uh, I met him at the FFPC, and, and he now comes to Kentucky and plays it well and, and plays as well. And you want John to love you, and, and, and John doesn't uh, speak higher uh, of anybody than he does Bob, so it's a great thing. <laughs> I want to know, uh, Bob, should I continue to think highly of uh, Mike Gusecki? I, I had him with the team this year, uh, 53 catches, six touchdowns. It left me kind of cold. That included a very big game early in the year of 2020, but he tapered off. Uh, a, a quarterback that doesn't go through the progressions uh, doesn't uh, necessarily target the tight end enough for me. I think that's what's happening in Miami. Are, are you agreeing with me, or do you see it differently? Oh man, that's a that's a really tough question. And as you probably know, I own him in both of my leagues, and I kind of wish I didn't because I'm hearing a lot of buzz about <laughs> the Dolphins really being high on Kyle Pitts. And if uh, they were to draft him, that's going to really kill Gasicki's value. So um, I I kind of liked him. Um, he has all the tools. He's just a, a freakish athlete, and um, he can do some amazing things, but as you mentioned, the, the team and the quarterback have made, kind of been holding it back a little bit, Place has been inconsistent in his first few years. So I guess I, I kind of liked him for his upside, um, but now I'm very worried about Pitts and the reality of, of Tua being kind of a limited quarterback perhaps. Um, but really, you know, in FFPC, tight end is such a huge position and everybody is so starved to get a good one. And once you get past um, the big three, and then Pitts coming in. You maybe you have the Mark Andrews, Hawkinson, Fant, and maybe Goddard. But then really, 
everybody else has some warts. So um, you've got to go swing for the fences and, and pick somebody. But I'm not sure if I like anybody that's really below him any better than him either. But uh, I sure wish oh, I had someone like Kelsey or Waller instead. I, it, yeah, I guess it, 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 Bob, it's interesting to bring that up because I, I can tell you you begrudgingly own Mike Gesicki at this point where where you're, you're not in love with them, but you also know that the alternatives to him probably aren't the greatest as well. Have you tried to reset at the tight end position and, and maybe tr- you know flip him for a lesser tight end and a draft pick? Or at this point, are you only taking you know, 90, 95 cents on the dollar in any kind of Gesicki trade? Um, I have not. And in fact, I actually just acquired him in my second league a few weeks ago before the Dolphins pulled off the big trade with the 49ers and uh, moved down and then moved back up to number six where they could conceivably draft him. Um, so he wasn't, that wasn't really a, a consideration when I traded him that Pitts might, might be in the picture. But, um, yeah, I had, I had Hayden Hurst as my other tight end in that league, and I thought, yeah, I'd rather have Gasicki than Hurst. So I, I pulled off that deal. But now I'm kind of wishing I didn't own so much Gasicki. He's a little bit risky right now. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Bob, the former co-host of this show, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, is in the chat room right now. He says he's not at all concerned about Pitts going to the Dolphins. He thinks Pitts is going to go four or five. So hopefully that'll help you rest easy. That If, if it's uh, a down year for Gesicki, it probably won't be at the expense of Kyle Pitts catching a bunch of passes from Tua Tungabailoa. Let's keep talking about tight ends here because I think there's another interesting one in Chicago. Uh, Cole Komet. In Stardump Dynasty right now in, in the FFPC, 14 tight ends are being selected in front of him, and he is actually not being drafted until the end of the 10th, the beginning of the 11th round in Dynasty Startups. Is that too low for Cole Komet? I mean, should he be going higher? Is this a player that you think is going to be breaking out in 2021? Granted, he doesn't have the greatest quarterback in the world. Say we will about Andy Dalton. He is competent enough to get Cole Komet the football. How do you feel about him? Um. Well, Andy Dalton kind of put another Notre Dame tight end on the map, um, Tyler Eifert, back That's in right. Cincinnati until he kept getting hurt. So uh, I do think, like I mentioned with Kasicki, uh, there's a kind of a tier around him. Maybe you, lo- you like a Logan Thomas or, well, Hayden Hurst or Tyler Higby. Those are kind of all guys that are in his, his, uh, his tier group, sort of. And I, you know, Komet was the highest scoring rookie tight end for what that's worth last year, just barely over Harrison Bryant, I believe, but um, he's got a lot of talent. I mean, he's got a little bit of Gronk in his game, as far as I can see. He's a, kind of nasty and, um, you know, very poor man, the Gronk, but he's a, I like him. I think he's got, he's got a good future if, um, if the Bears can, can support him with a good quarterback and a good scheme, um, but he hasn't done much yet. He's just his second year, so the jury is obviously still out. You know, how tight ends take a while to develop. So, but I think of anybody in, in his tier, he has as much upside as all of them. You've got a good view on the tight ends, Bob. And I tell you, I don't know in the FFPC format if there is such a thing as a poor man's tight end. They're all valuable as gold. But I'm going to talk to you about rich man quarterbacks. Uh, uh, did I say quarterbacks? Boy, I'm having a night tonight. Let me get another drink here quick, fellas. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about Cardinal rich man yeah, no, Pardon? I got the baseball off, and I'm now. It's been a rough day. 
But wide receivers, Bob, that's really what the hell I want to talk about. I've known one of them. I've known known one of them since he was a freshman in high school. And I've been very, very impressed with him. And uh, his last name is Moore. And then quickly as the draft materialized, I realized there was another wide receiver named Moore. And each of them continued to work their way um, up the draft board. And I don't necessarily know how to separate them because I appreciate each of them. Uh, Rondell Moore, Purdue University from New Albany, Indiana. Uh, two years ago, Balky, I got to see him again. He won the Paul Horning Award uh, here yeah. in Louisville, Kentucky. And Elijah Moore at Old Miss, my, my alma mater, where I went to graduate school. Elijah Moore has the talent and the mindset to be one of the toughest son of guns that's ever lined up in the slot receiver position. Have you got a favorite more, uh, Bob, or are you a Connery guy or something like that? Who, who do you like here? <laughs> well, well I'm definitely got to be Sean Connery. Are you a Lazenby guy? Then? Yeah. You're going to stay with the Moors. Got to go with the Moors. Um, well, if you had asked me this question about a month ago, I would have definitely said Rondale. Um, but I've been been uh, getting my eyes open a little bit more about Elijah Moore and all that he's done. They're they're very similar um, players. They're they're both pretty undersized, um, especially Rondale. He's only like five seven, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. he's just extreme. And he's like a four two nine forty guy, good vertical, just a great athlete. Um, but then again, when I hear that and see that, it kind of makes me think of Kayvon Austin a little bit. But don't tell anybody mm-hmm. I said that because that's kind of a, a kiss of death, I suppose. But, um, but Rondale has just incredible talent, um, athleticism, and uh, I think he he could do some very good things in the NFL. But Elijah Moore can do pretty much everything Rondale can do, I think, as well. He's also a very – very uh, scat backy um, and four three two forty I believe, and um, I kind of like Elijah. Uh, Rondale has had a lot of durability problems already, um, and you know there's another question coming up later I think about uh, Devonta Smith and his size. But um, these are two fairly small receivers, and that's kind of the trend partly in the NFL these days is is going toward quicker, smaller. Um, athletic receivers that can do a lot of damage like Tyreek Hill. But um, I think Rondale and Elijah are pretty similar. Elijah is a little more durable. Um, He can do pretty much the same things that Rondale can do with a little bit lower risk, in my opinion. And um, I'm kind of leaning toward Elijah right now. I'm celebrating that answer and not complaining about it because on on my FFPC teams, I'm going to have both of them on my roster. And I want you to look a little closer. I want you to go look at the film of Rondell a little closer, especially when he's healthy, and look at that physicality. It's hard to understand whether when he runs the ball, whether he's a running back or a wide receiver, and he truly runs angry. I think this is one of the strongest kids in, in pure pack of football talent. And you're right, he is five foot seven. Uh, to come in into the league a long time, so I'm encouraging everybody, if they can, to get both these players on their roster, except Hudson Kern Reeve, who I'll be playing against in my dynasty league on May second. 
We are talking with Bob Reifenberg, the two-time 2020 FFPC High Stakes Dynasty winner. And this next question is brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship at MyFFPC.com. Play the FFPC where tight ends continue to matter, perhaps more so than anywhere else. And Kyle Pitts, people are going crazy for right now, Bob. In the FFPC, he is the third tight end selected in dynasty startup leagues going at the 212 would you be if you were in a dynasty startup right now would you be on board with paying that price in a startup to get the potentially generational tight end kyle pitts on your roster well that is the exact word that i was going to use to describe him he is a generational talent um according to all the experts and from all the all the footage we've seen of him um and if if you uh, if you had asked me five years ago, would I invest an early first round pick in Travis Kelsey in Dynasty? Um, I don't know. I might have said no, but my gosh, hindsight has shown that uh, that would have been a brilliant investment. Um, and if Pitts is as good as as we think he might be, it won't happen immediately. Maybe being a tight end, but within a year or two, he could be uh, putting up Kelsey type numbers. And uh, we might look back and say 212 was way too late. He should have been tight end one way back then. Um, right. I don't think it's a mistake at all. I think uh, there's risk-reward, of course. Um, he's, as, he hasn't even played in the NFL yet. He might, he might not pan out. But, um, boy, the tools are all there. I think um, it's, a, it's a, a chance to swing for the fences, really, on your dynasty team and uh, have somebody that could – could make a huge difference for your team for many years to come in a, in a short and uh, shallow position. Bob, Balky and I have already booked our hotel rooms uh, in Canton for 2039 for his induction <laughs> into the Hall of Fame. It's going to be a big weekend. Uh, we, we would come to Tahoe that same summer if you would invite us, by the way. Just well, let you absolutely. Know. He, Let's do that. You know, you and you and John Anderson being Air Force guys, you're always playing the long game. You're playing the, the long, long game. I can understand why you're a big deal in dynasty football here. You know, uh, I was looking over some of the old guys that are playing the long game at running back position. Gore, 15 years. Peterson, 13 years. Wants to get with the team to get him in the playoffs this year. Uh, McCoy, even, they've been around 11 years. Who's some running backs? I don't – you know, we, we think of your words as so valuable. It's difficult enough to say who's going to have a big year in 2021. Who are some rookie running backs that are still going to be playing 10 years from now, buddy? Can you name a few? Do you see a couple? Do you see the makeup, body type, skill type that will still be around in 2031? Oh, man. Um well, that's so hard to predict, isn't it? Who would have – you couldn't have um, identified – That's why I'm players. asking you, the long game <laughs> Okay. Um, I think a lot of it depends on, on landing spot, really, and how they, how they manage and, and uh, develop their longevity. I think um, if, I had a, if I had a chance, I would definitely want to get whichever running back ends up being drafted by the Steelers right now. Um, and they're talking about maybe Miami trying to, to get some new running back talent, maybe Buffalo, the Jets, Atlanta. They, they all have some legitimate needs. But um, if a running back goes to a, a team that 
has a, a solid need and a good a good scheme, good protection. I think that will increase his chances for for developing into a long career. Um, as far as just looking at them on paper right now or on their on their merits, I, I guess the obvious ones are the big three: that Harris, Etienne, and Williams. But I kind of like Michael Carter too. He seems to have a, a yeah. pretty good skill set. And um, some of those some of the uh, PPR type third down backs take a little bit less wear and tear, so they might have a, a better chance. They're not going to get um, 20 carries a game and get the crap beat out of them every game. Um, so maybe a Gainwell, Carter, and uh, I kind of like Trey Sermon. He's got he's he looks like he's a uh, he's pretty well built for the for the long game. But um, you, you know you just got to see where are they going to be drafted, how will they be developed and coached, and um, it's a tough ball at this point. If I had that crystal ball. I uh, I would have retired a lot earlier and been a big time fantasy football player. Mm-hmm. You're on your way. Let me ask you. What this. do you guys think uh, about that? Well, okay. Well, let, okay. So here's what I think. I think a very interesting. I was actually having this conversation with with uh, the the Dizzle the other day about um, the Atlanta Falcons running back situation. Bob, currently the Falcons have the number four overall pick, as we all know. But they also have the number 35 overall pick. And I'm kind of curious if you think they would use that pick on a running back, how excited would you be for Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Javante Williams, Michael Carr, like whoever that they could pick there at the 35, how excited would you be about that running back knowing that that's the landing spot they went to in Atlanta? Oh, I think that would be a, a very good landing spot. Now I'm not sure about the uh, Falcons O-line these days if they've uh, if they've been keeping that up to speed. Um, you know, Gurley was just a, a band-aid, and unfortunately he didn't pan out there. But um, yeah, that, that's a great situation. They've got a lot of receiver talent. Um, Matt Ryan's not not a spring chicken, but they've got a good offense, a good scheme. And I think that would be a great place to land for someone like that. Um, we, uh, we, I'm, uh, I'm getting some, uh, some, some guff from the Dizzle, um, regarding what I, I think that they will be taking a running back at that spot. And I'm still, I'm still adamant in, in that, uh, in that Atlanta will get, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think it's going to be a running back there. Um, all right, moving on, uh, ladies and gentlemen here on the show, uh, I want to talk a little bit about something that Hudson Reed brought up in the chat and that's Devonte Smith. Now he was listed at, I, I want to say at Alabama, he was listed at like 6'2", 200, 6'2", 195, something like that. Well, he weighed in at the medical combine in March in Indianapolis, and I don't have my official figures in front of me, but based on what people were saying on Twitter, I assume he measured in at five foot three, 140 pounds. Uh, and that is obviously <laughs> very small for a receiver. <laughs> Kidding aside, officially, he was listed at 166 pounds, um, and I'm just kind of curious, Bob, when, when you look at Devontae Smith, a guy who could be the number two or perhaps number three receiver taken in the NFL draft next Thursday, are you concerned? Does that weight bother you at all, or have you already kind of made up your mind about Smith prior to that weigh-in? Um, that does bother me just a little bit, but I think you've got to look at his production. I mean, he's played, played for Alabama, and that's not a, not a 
a lightweight league down there in the SEC. Oh, sir. Uh, you know, the NFL, bigger, faster, stronger every, um, across the board, but still, you played at the highest level in college. Um, Heisman Trophy winner as a wide receiver, you don't, don't see that very often. So you've got to right. look at his productivity, I think, um, a little bit more than just his measurables. And um, maybe he'll be able to put on a few pounds, I'm sure, at the NFL training tables and their weight room programs. Um, he'll probably be able to pack on a few pounds of muscle over the first couple of years. But um, I think I'd be a little bit concerned, but I wouldn't let it um, dictate me pushing him down my board very much either. Maybe uh, but, I wouldn't take him ahead of uh, Chase or or uh, maybe Waddle. Waddle's also um, – but I think, like you're saying, at least top two or three wide receivers probably. Bob, we're getting late in the show, and it's very important that I bring up my favorite player, Chase Claypool, now. So there it's done for the, <laughs> for the 20th odd week in a row. Okay, so last year, Chase Claypool was my guy. And we've been focusing now on the first and second, maybe the third round of this draft a little bit. I know I can tell by the, your responses here that you've gone deep. I've got some guys here that are deeper in this draft that I like this year. Is there anyone – like my Chase Claypool pick from last year that you can identify is going to be drafted later in the weekend that you know is a dynasty uh, must-have player for some of your teams this year? Oh, man, I wasn't looking very deep yet. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was more thinking along the lines of second, probably second-round values more than – I got Claypool in the fourth last year on one of my teams. Wow. Early, early fourth round, and that's uh, you don't count on getting someone that can be a, a solid contributor in the fourth round. But uh, it's good to have some some good breaks once in a while. Um, so, Bob, you're taking I, Sunday of the draft off, much like the Rams are this year. They've rented a place <laughs> out in California. You, you've got your place in Tahoe. All you guys out there are going to be taking Sunday off. You know, so maybe that's how the champions do it. <laughs> Well, there are a lot of players, but um, this is going to be a crazy year, I think, in the NFL uh, because COVID impacted so many things. The college season, no combine, much different scouting. Yes, um, sir. OTAs. uh, It's it's going to be a very different landscape this year, and I think we'll see more than ever a lot of free agents um, off the waiver wire, the first maybe the preseason waiver run and the first couple weeks there might be some real talent in those waiver runs that we don't see in typical years. But um, I was just kind of thinking Kadarius Tony was the guy that hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but I think he's, he might be one of the top couple of receivers um, in a couple of years out yeah. of the class. And Elijah Moore, as we already talked about, I think he's got some serious talent too. And I really like Carter and Gainwell and Sermon, depending on where they land. They could um, could be very big contributors um, next year on someone's team. But there will be some surprises in the later rounds, too, but I just don't really have a good feel for who that would be at this minute. All right, I'm going to call you uh, late in the month on Sunday and check in with you and make sure you're watching the draft. I'll check in with you. <laughs> uh, we are talking with Bob Reifenberg, the uh, two-time 2020 FFPC High Stakes Dynasty League winner. I do want to get to one email here, Bob, before Farrell asks you our final question. Uh, for the evening. Uh, This one is from Tony in Aurora, Colorado. He says, what's the thing you like best that Dynasty Fantasy Football has 
but redraft leagues don't provide. Thanks, Bob. That is Tony in Aurora, Colorado. Bob, what are your thoughts on on uh, why Dynasty is, is more fun for you, why you prefer it over redraft? Uh, there are several reasons probably, but I think the, the most fun thing about Dynasty specifically would be the, the ability to trade. I, I've always liked trading. And, um, of course, that can be a double-edged sword because sometimes you look at other players in your league that have made a trade and you think, oh, my God, that's so ridiculous and so imbalanced. But, um, but I do like trading a lot. That makes it a lot more fun. And the ability to build a franchise for the long run. Um, and redraft is, is also fun because you get to, to draft the whole team every year. But um, the rookie draft is, is great. The uh, year-round um, research and trading and just trying to, to develop talent and, and build a franchise is, is a unique challenge that makes Dynasty a lot more fun, I think. Mm, that's good. Well, give that in mind while you're warming up to make those trades. Tell me one guy that you're trading away, one guy that you're looking to get rid of. You're Zach Ertz, the guy on your roster that you're looking mm-hmm. to get rid of. And then tell me a guy that you've been eyeballing for some time and expect and hope and pray that you can get him uh, for the 2021 season. Well, I don't know if I should tell you who on my roster I want to trade away because if my league mates are listening, then they'll they'll offer me I look, I've got the Claypool question in by now, and after that, nobody pays any attention anyway. So it's, no, it's all on right. my so, team, I I guess I'm kind of getting a little tired of Mike Williams um, on one of my teams. He's he hasn't really produced like I hoped he would when he was a first round draft pick for me on my in my rookie draft. But um, I think he's still you know Justin Herbert could uh, really wake him up this year, I think, too, if they don't add too much more talent. I mean, Williams has great potential, and he's got talent. It it just takes maybe he he and Herbert clicking to really start producing. But if I own – Well, wouldn't that be a perfect player? Because if you are tired of him uh, on your roster, he would command some some good uh, trade capital, would he not? He should, if people look at the big picture and and Herbert's development and – and more chemistry with him. But I think Kenny Galladay is a player that if I owned him, I would be looking to, uh, to try and get some, some good value for because, I don't know, I think he had a really good situation in Detroit until they got hurt last year. But um, Stafford is a whole lot better quarterback than Daniel Jones. He was playing in a dome um, without a whole lot of competition. Marvin Jones took some, some targets away, but – um, and now he's going to New York with they've got Barkley and a, a bunch of receivers and Engram and a, a poor quarterback. And I just think he's a little bit overrated right now. And if you could get mm. um, ADP type value for him, he'd be a player that I'd be looking to move. But there are a couple that I would like to acquire. I've been actually trying to uh, to offer a few trades like this before. But um, Leviska Chenault is one of my. Um, my favorite, maybe under-the-radar players. Um, he's on some radars, of course, but I think he's the best receiver talent in Jacksonville, and they might be getting a new quarterback this year, I hear. And I think <laughs> if, I could, if I could get him at uh, his, his ADP-type value, I think that would be a really good investment. <laughs> but now, if anybody's hearing this, they're going to try and soak me for him. Um, and another guy that I think is a little depressed right now that could 
could really bounce back is Michael Thomas. Um, yes. You know, Drew Brees, toward the end of his career, didn't have the arm that he used to. And um, and then they brought in Taysom Hill to, to play. And if, he, if people think that Taysom Hill might be the quarterback for the Saints this year, then they're thinking, yeah, I don't think Mike Thomas is going to be worth much. But I think um, I think – I think it's going to be Jameis Winston, and he's got a lot more arm talent than uh, late career Breeze or Taysom Hill, and I think he might kind of breathe some life into Michael Thomas if and when he's the starter this year. So if you can get Thomas for a, for a good value, I think he might pay some good dividends. Uh, you know, I have been, just to kind of recap that whole answer, and I touched on this last week on the show, I've had so many conversations with FFPC high-stakes owners I still think there's a non-zero chance the Jaguars shake up the draft and take Kyle Pitts with the first overall pick in the NFL draft. It remains to be seen whether that happens. I still think it's possible. It's the Jaguars, after all. And, of course, once you have the official mascot of the HSFF Hour, who is champion for years that Kenny Galladay is not a wide receiver one, if you needed any more proof, you're getting a two-time uh-huh. dynasty champ from last year saying the same thing. <laughs> Get rid of Kenny Galladay if you can. Bob Reifenberg, we certainly cannot thank you enough for carving a little time out of your schedule in Lake Tahoe to come aboard with us tonight, making your podcast debut anywhere. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I wish you nothing but the best in your rookie drafts and all your drafts this summer. Be good, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Thanks, gentlemen. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Bob. Bob Reifenberg, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two-time winner, 500 uh, Dynasty League number 23, 500 Dynasty League uh, number 45. Ironically, the two jersey numbers that Michael Jordan wore in his NBA career. Um, I don't know mm. if there's any correlation there, but um, certainly a pair of great champions, no question. Um, so good stuff from, from Bob tonight, uh, Farrell. And one of the things, and I kept wanting to bring it up, but we, I, I, my, you know, my mind just kept going to the next thing and the next thing. I don't think we've talked a whole lot about Trey Sermon uh, on this program no. over the last month yeah. or so. And I know that, that there's steam picking up for him among the pundits, the draft dicks mm-hmm. out there talking about him. Plenty of high-stakes players are getting high on him as well in, in, their, in their dynasty drafts. And I don't think it's, um, you know, uh, that crazy for him to be a, a second-round pick in the NFL draft. How do you fall in on, on Trey Sermon as, as far as his fantasy prospects go in year one? I like Sermon, and I think he's benefited from the fact that he's sort of underneath the news. You know, teammates of his are gathering a lot of the attention, and, you know, um, that can be good. It it, it gets tough on some of these young players, and they enjoy going on uh, NFL Network to do an interview and and, and NFL Radio to do the same thing, but they're nobody that that wants to get – these drafts over with any quicker except the scout who's out there still digging uh, you know and i gave bob kind of an impossible question who's who's going to still be playing in the league in 10 years but i loved <laughs> how he how he really pinpointed that as to landing spot opportunity and players around him and i wrote down two guys uh marcus allen if I'm if I'm correct, I think Marcus Allen played 17 years, either 16 or 17. So he not only had one great landing spot with the Raiders, but a second great landing spot with Kansas City. And then Emmett at Dallas 
Emmett Smith had a, you know, he showed up and they started handing him the ball and he did it for years and years and years. A lesser landing spot when he finished up with Arizona. But that's what it takes, you know, and, and you, you think about some of those guys that that uh, are playing all those years. Uh, they got to love playing the game. And that's what I look for in, in trying to get to know these players. That's the last thing that I want to try to understand is who really, really loves to compete and who really loves to play the game. And I think that's what all these scouts are looking for. And fantasy players should do the same thing, especially all these guys that are playing dynasty. One of the things I always remember, I started playing fantasy football, I think my first year was 1994. And I remember watching a lot of, you know, because I was always just watching Packers games up until then. But then, you know, you play fantasy football, you start watching all the games, and you, you sure. understand the, the teams and, and the players from a lot of other squads. And one of the things I always remember, and Farrell, I think I said it throughout most of the 90s, I'm like, I was always like, can you imagine Barry Sanders running behind that Dallas offensive line? I mean, mm. just my head exploded with, with the possibilities of, of – and he was already filthy good, obviously a Hall of Famer um, who could have put up even in, more insane numbers behind pretty bad offensive lines had he not retired early. And, man, I just remember that, that Dallas offensive line just mauling everybody. Emmett Smith and, – and that's not to take away from Emmett Smith, too, because he was a truly no, no. talented running back. But, I mean, Perry Sanders did stuff on the field that – and Walter Payton was probably a little bit before my time, but I've seen some highlights. Like there are a lot of similarities and, and they just did, they were truly, they were the specialists. They were the most special of the specials. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that, I think that sums it up just perfectly. And that's what you want to see. And that's what you're trying to predict, especially this early in, in the, in this draft. He also brought up Ladarius Tony, who, you know, we talked about a lot of receivers. I like Tony uh, as much as any of them, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the first round. I got a kick out of it, Bob. It must be the eternal optimist and always look at the glass half full because he said that uh, my beloved Kenny Galladay had a, I think it was a good situation in Detroit. I'm kind of wondering if anybody's ever had a good situation in Detroit. <laughs> but it, it, it certainly was a Galladay, he made some real good points as to why Galladay uh, could be slipping into some of these drafts. All of it was very legitimate. But I'm a big Galladay guy, which just puts me running. You know, I'm I'm running against the uh, the tide there. I think. I, I think the uh, the only two guys that have ever really had uh, good situations in Detroit were probably Ralph Kiner and and maybe Chuck Daly, right? Yeah, boy, those Detroit Pistons. <laughs> hey, Farrell, let's, um, we're up against it. I want to get to, to one email tonight, I, and I promise you, everybody else who emailed them, we'll get to your, your questions coming up next week. But the one I do want to ask you is, is actually a little bit time-sensitive here. Craig in Boston writes, Dear Balky and Farrell, now that Wayne Gallman has clouded the backfield in San Francisco oh. even more, is Mostert still the draft target, or is this a situation to fade completely? Thanks, guys. That is Craig in Boston. And just to, to let everybody know, as, as far as Mostert goes, who is the number one running back being drafted in San Francisco, he is going at running back 28 at the 6-12 over the last five days. Right behind Chase Edmonds, he is a little bit ahead of Leonard Fournette and A.J. Dillon. Farrell, what do you make of this Wayne Gallman signing? Is, is, is he just simply 
Um, a backup there, is he going to steal third down work, in your opinion? Um, you know, Mostert was never really, to me, a, a big third down back anyway with, with Kyle Shanahan. He always seems to mix everybody uh, else on his roster. And, you know, Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman previously. Um, I, I just, how do you view this Gallman thing? Should, is this something that we should significantly be knocking Mostert down our boards or not? Oh, absolutely not. Wayne Gallman is a very good football player. and He's a backup running back. It gives uh, uh, special teams play and will contribute to this uh, 49er football club. So he's a great football ad, and it's non. It's it, it's it's no difference. It is no. It doesn't move the needle in any direction for fantasy football. Now Mostert is a strange player to look at. You've got a guy here that's pushing 30 years old, but is very very limited. Uh, in mileage, he has not had. Uh, I, I think probably bulky. He's less than 500 carries for his career. But you can follow the money. You know, my, our friend in Boston, Craig. You can follow the money. When when dollars for running backs are very very difficult to come with in the league right now. Uh, most are signed 8.7 million three years. Go back to the playoffs, bulky. Against your Green Bay Packers, 29 oh, don't carries, remind me. 220 yards, four touchdowns. It's like he's still running. Four touchdowns in one game, Balky. We talked about Chris Carson. That's a year for him. This is the perfect player in the zone-blocking scheme that this team employs. And a lot of running backs don't know how to take advantage of that. Mostert knows how to take advantage of that because he gets more yardage before contact, which is part of the zone blocking scheme. He gets more yardage before contact than any other player in the league. And then once he's built up to speed, he's one of the faster players at top end speed of any running back, especially with this size. I am a big, big Mostert fan, I think you can tell. Uh, I had a great friend call me and tell me, he says, well, Wayne Gallman's now with the Niners. You can forget about Mostert. And that's absolutely nothing further from the truth. Mostert is the guy here, and I look for him. He can do more with 15, 16 carries than most running backs can. I look forward to the day when he gets those 20 carries a game, and it could possibly be this year, especially if they come in and let a rookie quarterback play. Oh, boy. Mac, the, the Mac Jones, Raheem Mostert-led 49ers backfield. It might be a thing in less than a week, and, and we will certainly bring all that analysis to you next week and, and going forward here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Farrell, uh, I'll, I'll just plug it one, one more time. KFFSC.com, we have three spots open in that uh, Run to Daylight competition going on tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. If you don't have anything to do, make sure you're popping in and drafting against uh, guys like Hudson Kern-Reeve. I think Bobby Sangerman is in that draft as well. Plenty of myself, I will be in that draft. So it'll be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Hopefully everybody can pop aboard. Draftmasters available at kffsc.com. You ready to talk uh, a little bit early next week? We'll do an NFL draft preview show on Wednesday. How's that sound, man? Oh, man, just think what we can learn between now and Wednesday. (laughs) You got it. Be good. Have a great weekend, dude. See you, Buggy.
Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott. Don't forget to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. I do want to thank Bob Reifenberg, Farrell Elliott himself, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for listening, downloading, streaming the show this week. A uh, special happy birthday to another Kentucky Fantasy Football uh, State Championship player, and FFPC luminary and uh, a guy I play in a couple of private leagues with, John Duckworth, celebrating a birthday today. So happy birthday, Johnny Duckworth. Uh, Hopefully it was a good one. Now, as I just mentioned with Farrell, we will not be doing a show next week. We know you guys all love this show, but we do not want to be going head-to-head with the NFL draft on Friday. So we will be doing a show next Wednesday at 10, 9 central and three-time FFPC Dynasty League champion Tony Couture will help us prepare for that NFL draft. He'll tell us everything we need to know as uh, high-stakes Dynasty players, what to prepare for, what to expect, what not to expect, what could happen. We're going to have all the angles covered Wednesday at 10, 9 central with Tony Couture. Uh, register for the best ball leagues today at myffpc.com. And don't forget about that 2021 Football Guys Players Championship early bird. Remember that uh, that competition starts May 2nd. So it's coming up here just over a week. We're going to get those drafts going as well. Save $100 on your first FFPC main event team right now as well. And don't forget that Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship run to daylight competition. Three left for tomorrow night, 9 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. Talk to you on Wednesday. Or we this has been now. another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Also want to thank uh, Frederick the Younger for our outro music tonight. Remember to check out their music, frederickthejounger.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Truly take this as an honor and a privilege to talk with you each and every uh, Friday here on this program. Um, and I can't wait to do it on Wednesday. Allison Chains is warming up right now, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great weekend, and uh, we will talk to you a little bit early with Tony and Farrell on Wednesday night.